Okay there, welcome to Grimdark Bastards, or Bastards, episode four. Yeah. Indeed. Oh my gosh, we got to episode four, my love. I know. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? <laughs> but there you go. Like, it's just, this is really fun, and it's just cool. Um, so, before we begin, we, we have some immediate shout-outs to the community members and, and just people in general. The first of which is uh, Winehammer40k on Instagram, who bless them, uh, constantly listening to our podcast and giving us shout-outs when they're painting or doing whatever. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, that really helps. And, like, seriously, like, even if we're just making these episodes for even one person, like, that's amazing. So, like, seriously, that's cool. And then the other interesting sort of community feedback that we've had is from a friend of mine at work called Ed, who is bemused by your accent, my love. (laughs) Love you, Ed, by the way. Like, peace, my man. But, like... (laughs) Yeah, like, what's going on there? Do you want to explain to the world what's going on there? Because I'm just a southern fairy. There's not really much to sort of. Oh, your talk accent about. is very RP, like yeah, very yeah, posh. Yeah. Um, so my accent, it, it's it's very it's a it's a mixture of many things. Um, I consider myself northern um, from the northwest um, because I lived in Warrington from the age of eleven until like my twenties. Which is like halfway between Manchester and Liverpool, so wow, you went Liverpool, Liverpool. Like that, in that moment. Liverpool. You went there. You went there. <laughs> I went there. Um, but I've lived down south now since I was about twenty-three. But also, when I was younger, we moved around a lot. So my my southern accent has a bit of West Country because we lived in Gloucestershire for a bit when I was a kid. Um, so I don't really think I sound like anything. I'm sort of half southern, half northern. Because I don't sound particularly northern anymore, but I still have my hard A's. So I still say, like, castle and bath, <laughs> which, like, annoys you. Yes. And well, then I also say certain, certain words that you just argue with me about. Well, well, the most insidious part of all of this is it's seeping into my just general vernacular. Every now and again where, like, you say I'll things. I'll just slip it out and I'll be like, why? Yeah, what was the word? You argued with me when we first met about the word bimble. Yes. Not being a word, which means to, like, walk I've never heard of this term. I thought you... this was, like, some magic... <laughs> sort of phrase that you had made up and I was like what what is that like what is this nonsense <laughs> and then I now I just use it as part of my general vocab and I'm like oh but it also depends who I'm round like if I'm round my parents or if I'm round other other northerners then I do get infinitely more northern interesting is that just to blend in with your surroundings or to give you like northern street cred like <laughs> I think it's more just I adapt Sure. I adapt because we moved so much when I was a kid. Clever girl. <laughs> Rude. Um, we moved so much when I was a kid. You know, you get bullied wherever you went for yeah, being different. True. That's very true. Just like a mushroom, I absorb the flavour which is around me. Like a tasty strong. Uh, but there you go. Well, interesting. Well, there you go. Ed. The mystery your, of my accent. Your, the mystery of Mel's accent has been finally solved. So you know, we can we can put that to rest. So what we talk about this week, Russ? Okay, so we, we're going to be talking about the the bovine fishy peeps that are the Tau Empire and what they're all about. Some of my favourite data sheets from the new codex and special rules. And then, of course, we'll discuss a recent game that we had, which was a, a rematch of Dark Angels versus Harlequins. Um, and just some general thoughts going into your new codex or whatever as well. So... Um, 
So yeah, so shall I just do an intro to the Tao? Yeah, tell me about the Tao. I don't know much about the Tao. I know little snippets, but I don't know. So I don't know genuinely. Like I've been, you know, I've been playing playing or known of the game for a long time now, and I, I don't know of a faction that is more divisive to the community than the Tao. In as much as I think they're an incredibly marmite faction, where you either love them and kind of appreciate them in the setting, or you absolutely despise them. And, uh, and, you know, when they originally were debuted in third, they were quite like a fluffy army. They were very s- sort of light, light in terms of tone. And now over time, as, our pre- as I will discuss, like throughout this sort of introduction to Tao Law, um, it, it, in a shoot from the hip fashion, of course, if I make like mistakes or whatever, please be, please be uh, merciful on my ability to get facts correct. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like when they first debuted, they were very innocent compared to like how they are now. And I think now they, they definitely fit more in the grim dark setting than ever before, if that makes sense. Um, so essentially the Tau are a Xenos race uh, that are really young, like really, really young. And essentially 6,000 years before the current era that we, we, we are currently in, um, the Admech... Um, found the Tau on their, on, their, on their original Tau world is like these Neanderthalic grey kind of aliens. They don't have big heads like greys. They kind of got that... But do you know what I mean? They've got the face. Like yeah. you said, they look a bit grey, right? Yeah, they remind me of kind of the greys from like X-Files, but they're a little bit more blue and a little bit more chunky, but they still have that yes. traditional alien sort of... If you draw a cartoon alien, they have that... Yeah alien face exactly and when the imperium first met them you know we all know like how xenophobic the imperium is when they were like okay just a random load of humanoids that are like beating each other with rocks we'll mark this world down for exterminatus and and eradicate once we've like mined the world of all of its resources but inevitably what happened was a warp storm happened and it cut that that sort of vanguard of of the imperium off from tau space and they kind of just became forgot about because it was during a time called the Age of Apostasy, which is kind of a crazy fucked up time for the Imperium, and they had a lot going on. And then, 6,000 years later, the Tau were one of the most technologically advanced races in the entire, like, galaxy, and they used tech that the Imperium would, like, salivate over. Um, although they are very naive as a race, which we'll come to later. Um... But yeah, like their their tech is mad, like absolutely mad. They have like battle suits and they can fly around, and their guns like fire bullets like so fast that it creates like holes in tanks and stuff. And the reason for this massive technological jump was the rise of a, a new social sort of strata within Tau society known as the Ethereals. And essentially, there was this really famous battle between the two major warring tribes of the Tau. And uh, essentially, two ethereals kind of crashed the party and had a chat with both sides and kind of, you know, brought them together and was kind of like, right, okay, we've got this philosophy called the greater good. The greater good. The greater, greater good. <laughs> I, I can't not do it. Yeah. I can't not good hear. Good luck having no swans then. <laughs> <laughs> I can't not hear hot fuzz when you say the greater um, good. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this, this, uh, this, this concept called the greater good, which I'm going to read you out definition-wise, like, like from, the co- from the recent codex, because in me trying to articulate it, I might get some details wrong, but... 
Um, the Tao can be summed up simply. It is the belief that the individual life of any given member of the Tao Empire is less important than the needs of the Empire itself. It has gladly, it, it, it gladly expends incredible efforts to uh, ensure the greater goods and the further technological advancements of their race and the betterment of their race, essentially. Um, Sounds like Spock. It's really fluffy. Like in all seriousness, it's quite federationy. It's like you know, you know, you're one part of of a greater whole, and the whole loves you. Do you know what I mean? Like, and this is it. This is this is how this is going to be. But the sort of and and when I knew them in third, that was kind of all that was hinted at. That like that was it, and like and the tower were all about this, and they all believed it, and it was all like yeah, like you know, the, the tower awesome. But the dark, grim, dark element of this. And it's something that was touched upon later was the the fact that the ethereals have some sort of way of manipulating the the other tau casts, which again I'll, I'll mention in a second, um, to basically be bent to their will. In as much as ethereals, in theory, can live incredibly long lifespans, and regular tau, I think, only live like thirty, forty, or fifty years max. So they're quite a quite a sort of short lived race. And in this time, the ethereals can basically structure Tau society how they how they want to. And the sinister thing about that is there's some theories that it's like a pheromone-based thing. Um, some people think it's a mind-control thing, which I don't think is, is kind of the case unless it's like as in a psychic thing because the Tau have tiny souls that like leave no impression on the warp whatsoever. And uh, I don't think it's a technological thing because when the Tau first met the ethereals like they they were still quite sort of early in their sort of development it's interesting actually because i was asking you what their head slit was. <laughs> i mean we, this is a pg version <laughs> of what we were discussing yeah we were discussing how their foreheads yes look look very vagina like <laughs> <laughs> and, wow and you went straight for the uh, throat well why not um and and I looked it up and it's apparently it's an olfactory organ. Yeah, yeah. Um See this is your jam, right? Animal yeah, science. Yeah, like animal science is, is my background. So I was like, oh wow, like that's cool. Like is it is it like, you know, the Jacobson organ which like certain animals have, like snakes have it in their mouth yeah. and, and and some animals have it in their wet noses or like horses, you know, lift up their lip to kind of catch the pheromones. And that makes sense to me because if they've got this specially adapted olfactory organ on their forehead, mm. the fact that the ethereals would control them by that makes sense, like the two kind of things evolving together. Um, and certainly gives it a bit of a more sinister twist, right? That like the ethereals have taken over this this society absolutely like their control it's is quite like bee bee like or yeah, insect like yeah 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 like a colony yeah, rather yeah. than and and you have roles like the drones have a role well this is it like and, and and this kind of brings it also to like the ca- the caste system right so that there are five castes within town society so you have the earth caste which are like the um mechanics and the builders they're like architects and stuff and and you know they 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 mess around with technology and they're quite squat and and you know that's what they do in town society and then you've got like the air 
cast, which are like your pilots, and they actually have thinner bones than normal tails. So they have like borderline, sort of semi hollow bones, I think. Like birds. Yeah, exactly. But I think that helps them with like G force and stuff like that, or the ability to pilot stuff, basically, which makes sense. Um, so that's all natural adaptation too, which also possibly ties into your theory in regards to the the ethereals as well, right? Too that they've evolved in this way to kind of yeah. do this. Um, there's the ethereal cast, as previously mentioned, which are like the the high rulers and incredibly rare in Tau society. Like the Imperium have been trying to get their n- n- like filthy mitts on a subject for them to study and rip apart, but so far they haven't been able to get hold of one yet. Um, and then you've got the water cast, who are uh, like your politicians and stuff, or like your merchants, like your people that hold the sort of T's and C's part of Tau society together. And then you have the fire cast, which are the most iconic, apart from the theory, is the most iconic part of Tau society, which basically makes up most of your military. So all the Tau models that you see on the tabletop are fire cast. And essentially they're a bit beefier, they're a bit more sort of like more aggressive in their nature considering that towns are essentially a bit space hippie like and and you know they are the guys that use you and girls that use the technology to great effect to to crush the enemies of the greater good another cast like really strict like you yeah mega mega yeah mega strict it's it's yeah it's it's really harsh man like you you can't have any relationship between cast like us like strictly outlawed and like yeah, it's incredibly regimented and, and, and harsh. Like like if you if you if you step out of line with the Ethereals, and we'll mention one of my favourite characters in the moment who did, you're dead. Like you're dead to Tau to the Tau. That's species. interesting though, because there's I mean, I don't know how many Tau there are, like whether there's a risk of interbreeding, but also like you could evolve into entirely separate species. Yes. Because if they're just it's like domestication or whatever, you're breeding for specific traits. Yes. They eventually become different animals. Yeah, no, true. Essentially. So they could become entirely different species. But I guess the ethereals still kind of hold them all together as Tau and stuff. But to be honest, I don't think the Tau would even mind that anyway, because part of the greater good is that they fold other races into their society as well. So that even though the ethereals are kind of very biased towards the Tau, like ideologically, they have wicked alliances with other Xenos and, at one point, humans, which is kind of mad. So one of their most famous allies over the over the centuries have been the Kroot, who are personally one of my favourite elements of Tau lore, who are these gnarly bird-like creatures with crazy spines and stuff that kind of come from their hair. And they are very contrasting to the Tau. They're kind of quite savage, and they they, they have like a meritocracy-based society where... That, that, you know, they, they want to consume every... Kind of like the Tyranids, they kind of want to eat shit because what they eat, they then kind of re-adapt into, but the, but they have, like, an honour structure. They're not, like, mindless beasts. Like, they are they are cool. Yeah. And, and they're best mates with the Tau. And essentially what happened was the Tau found them and were like, we need some muscle to go with our shooty-shooties. You seem perfect. Here's the greater good. And the crew are like, oh, that sounds all right, actually. I'm quite into that. You know, whether or not on an ideological level they really believe in it or not is neither here nor there, but essentially the Tau give them guns and supplies and I mean, 
mean, it does food. sound very idealistic, like without very the, federation-y. Yeah, it is. It is like the yeah the federation of planets. Yeah, but they also have allies called Vespids, which are like these cool like insect guys, which are like their scouts. I was going to ask if cool. they were insects. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like, like, that's yeah. They're like why? Like just that's, out of curiosity because uh, of wasps and Vespids are like ah. just immediate. I can't remember what the. Class of animals. I do is. like a Vespid. I, I weirdly like the but other Xenos. Immediately, Zenos. that sounded to me interesting. Yeah, yeah. They're like these like freaky bug guys that like are scouts, basically, that scout ahead and stuff. That makes sense. And their most famous allies, apart from those two, were humans. So when when um, Cadia fell and half the universe went into darkness, Tau space kind of got cut off and some of the humans got trapped in Tau space. And the Tau were like, look, man, like you're going to either die out here or join us and join the greater good. Oh, by the way, we have actually decent food. We will treat you with respect, and you don't have to work twenty-hour days. And the humans were like, "Right the fuck on, sign me up! <laughs> like, like, give me those decent guns. So we don't have those like laser pointers in the Imperial Guard. Like, pew pew. Like, basically, that like, you know, we have like fucking pulse rifles now. We have sick armor. We got sick gear. Unfortunately." The Tau's naivety in regards to the warp was their undoing here because the Tau, the, whatever interaction the Tau have had with Chaos, they don't understand it because they have like no psychers in their entire army and they're not aware really of what, what the warp really is and what the Chaos kind of is. Um, as a result, they haven't really had experience of demons like firsthand. And whenever they fight demons, they just presume they're aliens. They just think they're like Xenos, like them, or like another type of Xenos. Okay. And they kind of try and reason with them. They're kind of like I remember listening to an audio book of Farsight where Farsight's like saying to like these like these blood letters or whatever, like come join the greater good, and they're like skulls for the skull throne, and he's like. <laughs> All right, then. (laughs) Like, okay. Um, So they just don't get it. And as a result, when they had all the humans, like, in in the Tau Force, they were doing great. Like, the the humans were doing awesome. But then over time, the one odd human would have a crazy psycho awakening. Yeah. Accidentally summon a portal full of demons and fuck up, like, whatever plans the Tau had. So unfortunately, and honestly, although this doesn't sound like it, the Tau were really gutted about this, they had to execute all of the humans under their command because they would they would fuck up their battle plans or just endanger Tau society for them to even be there, if that makes sense. That's interesting, though, that the Tau are just kind of uncorruptible and... and yeah, they're quite naive. Kind of, like, immune to chaos. I, thought, I, like, I was joking about the fact that, like, Sinesh would probably not even notice a Tau soul through the warp because they leave such a... Compared to the meaty mortals that are the Eldar, which are the ultimate, like, deliciousness for Sinesh, a Tau would be, like, not even on, like, her radar. It's not even worth Yeah, so, so, like... And it probably explains also why they have such terrible lifespans, right, as well. It's probably some weird sort of connection between that right um and possibly how idealistic they are or like a combination of factors but but essentially they they leave no impression really on the warp whatsoever and as such they they they're terrible at transversing the warp one of the things that kind of lets them down as a species is that they haven't mastered like travel through the warp yet and the imperial, you know, the imperium knows this and knows that like it, like Tau space is quite cramped because they can't really expand as much as they could if they had this type of technology. Um, 
And the funny thing about all of this is the Tau Empire, though sounding quite impressive, is a, is a tiny, tiny percentage of space, like so small, that if the Imperium really wanted to, and it has been alluded to in the Codex, it could cr- crush the Tau Empire like within a very short space of time. But I suppose in, ter- in comparison to like the Tyranids and yes. the Necrons and Chaos, Tau are actually... The, they, they are so low on yeah, the imperial. Like, like, you know what? If they don't bother us, exactly. we, we won't bother them. Exactly, sort of. exactly. And and like that, there was a really cool thing that I read about the fact that like the Tau and the Ultramarines were having a Barney on this planet, and Malleus Kalgar, who was obviously the chapter master of the Ultramarines, was fight himself was fighting fighting the Tau. And uh, as they were fighting, they awoke a, like a tomb world underneath them. It was a Necron tomb world. And they both put aside their differences to, to basically eradicate the Necrons. Succeeded, and the Imperium actually, for once, and this is kind of crazy, actually lived up to their side of the story and let the Tau leave and just, just fuck off, basically. Um, so I think the Imperium isn't really bothered. The only thing that the Imperium didn't like was the fact that the Tau were bringing humans to the concept of the greater good. Yeah. And they, th- they think that on an ideological level, that's the most fucked up thing about the Tau. But in terms of like the threat that I think that they pose to the Imperium, it's rather small. As you say, Tyranids, Chaos that they are like the big enemies of uh, possibly even orcs right are the big em- enemies of of the imperium some little fish peeps are not really that big of a deal um but the other thing that i find really interesting is some of the special characters in the town and there's two that i well possibly three that i want to discuss very quickly my favorite wish is commander farsight uh, yeah, you've talked o- about O'Shaba. him before. Uh, and he is he is a dude. Like so basically what happened with Farsight was he was <laughs> fighting some orcs and uh and all the ethereals in his party died. And he was so pissed off about the fact that the ethereals died under his like command, uh, that he was like chasing the orcs like to like kill them and stuff. And the Tau Empire was like, No, come back, like you must return, O'Shava, or whatever. Um, because the, the weirdest thing is, if an ethereal dies on the on the, in the field of combat in a in a Tau army, Tau morale goes to such a point that all the Tau kind of panic and kind of go a bit mad, which kind of also infers their brain control kind of thing. Um, but the Farsight guys, because they were so well disciplined, didn't. And Farsight pursued these orcs, and I think kind of realized himself what was kind of going on, and kind of had some plot arc stuff that I have, you know, that I don't actually know that I'm kind of researching. Um, and Tau, the Tau Empire lost contact with him, and they presumed he was dead. So they gave him like a sort of hero's funeral and stuff, and he was known as this great hero throughout the Tau Empire. And he, what a dude! And then, like, you know, four hundred years later or three hundred years later, there was like a separate Tau sub that they discovered a separate section of Tau space, which was known as the Farsight Enclaves, which is a completely separate Tau society where there are no Ethereals at all, and it's purely. Commander Farsight and and his and his towel and an eagle eared listener there would be like, well, how how come he's so old, right? Because Tau Tau should be dead by then. Well, Oshava managed to pick up this pretty gnarly Xenos blade through his travels. That when he killed whoever he kills with said blade, their lifespan is added to his lifespan. Is it is it definitely a Xenos blade or is it a, a Chaos blade? We don't really know. I think it's alluded to that it's a Xenos blade of some description. Um, maybe even like an STC, which is kind of crazy. But like essentially, um, the Ethereals are like, this is a problem. 
because this like threatens our entire societal structure on, on on a lie, right? Like we have presented this on a lie. And what's really interesting is a lot of the Tower Empire have, have basically like forbade anyone being in contact with the Farsight enclaves. Um, there are still like fringe Tau worlds that still because they love Farsight, right? He's a fucking war hero. They still like help him out and like give him supplies and stuff, and he's still there like fighting on the front lines. Another really interesting character is Anvar, who was this ethereal who was like assassinated by like the 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 uh, imperial like assassins um and basically he is he is like he was like the grand arbiter of like all ethereals like he kind of like he's got kind of like a hover chair and he's kind of like hovering around and stuff like that but tau like the tau were like oh no this is this is so bad like we cannot tell anyone that this guy is dead so they created an AI. They created like a like a sort of hologram of him, and like that's him on the battlefield now. And like he inspires all the tower around him because everyone's like, "Oh my god!" It's like Unvar, and like, "Holy crap!" Like he's the greatest of all ethereals. Nah, he's just a fucking hologram. And like and like and and and, the, and the, he's got like bodyguards that like stop Tao touching him so that they don't ruin the illusion and stuff because the ethereals again are shit scared that if anyone finds out, they'd be like crazy like rebellions and all, all oh, sorts wow. of crazy shit which is kind of fun right that's kind of that's funny. quite fun and then one of the other big tower characters is shadow sun who is uh one of the most prominent female tau and she has a slightly different forehead so like a lot of the the, the normal tower i think have like eyes like as in yeah. letter eyes she has like a y shape okay um and she, I think she was quite inspired by Farsight, but essentially she's she's a loyalist Tau, so she's a Tau Empire loyalist. Um, and she's awesome. She's really, really cool. She has, like, a prototype battle suit, which is pretty fucking awesome. Um, but in order to preserve her lifespan, they freeze her in between battles. So when she's not fighting on behalf of the fire Like cast, the Winter Soldier. Basically, yeah. <laughs> wow. But to preserve her lifespan... So, like, literally, unfortunately, it's kind of sad with Shannon because she's kind of a victim of her own success. She's so strong and so adept at, like, leading Tao that she just lives war constantly because when she's not conscious, she's frozen. And whenever she's conscious, she's kind of fighting on the... the, the, the That's sort of, quite dark. It is, isn't it? It's a bit sad, but... That she's really cool. I like a bit of Shadow Sun. Like Shadow Sun's quite a fun character, and I, and I really like her. So, what do you think of the Tao? Like from first impressions? Yeah, um, they're interesting. I mean, I'd I'd only really seen them played when we'd watched like TT TT, and obviously they were until recently not 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 the greatest yeah. army. They definitely needed <laughs> yeah, the update, they struggled. and I didn't really know much about them. But they are quite cool, and obviously you've told me quite a bit about Farsight, and he sounds. He sounds quite He's cool. my bae, man. I love Farsight. And you were saying, like, you can't... You, well, if you play Farsight enclaves, you don't take an ethereal. You're not allowed to. Yeah. But you, ta- you can take two tower commanders, which you're normally limited to one. Okay. Which is fucking awesome, because tower commanders are awesome. They're, they're good. They're commander, tower commander. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> fucking brilliant. They're, they're, you spam those fuckers, because they're, they're so strong. Like, so, yeah, so strong. Yeah, they, they... I mean, they definitely interest me. I think... I think, you know, I, I mean, I'm obviously a Xenos player, I, I play Harlequins. Yeah. But yeah, they are quite interesting. And I think the the aspects of it as well, that they've they've got this interesting Xenos race that has th- these adaptations 
for me as a science yeah, nerd. Yeah, I imagine that's quite fascinating. It's pretty cool because Eldari are like elves and there's always elves in every kind of fantasy or futuristic sort of, you know, everything, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. In Lord of the Rings, The Witcher, everything like that. Um, it, but it's, it's really interesting that they've created this strange bovid race. That, oh, yeah, they have hooves. Yeah, they have hooves, but also... They have this weird olfactory organ, but then all of their ships are named after fish. Yeah, yeah. It's very odd. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they were quite divisive when they came out. I think because they were very... Sh- like In terms of their tabletop kind of vibe, they just are a shooty army. That's, like, all they do. They have no psychers. They have barely any, if at all, like, combat units. So as a result, like, a lot of people get about are quite pissy with them because they just, like, shoot. But my argument is that, like... 40k to me is a shooty based game with an element of close combat in the same way that Sigma or Fantasy is a combat based game with an element of shooting if that yeah. makes sense. So for me the fact that they're a heavy shooty faction doesn't really bother me because I'm like the whole fucking game's about shooting, right? So like eh I I don't understand that. I guess it's a little bit debilitating if like you spend hours painting up this beautifully painted army only to see it like shot half dead by the time it gets to like the towel lines and just how demoralizing that can be i suppose is a bit annoying but like i, I don't agree with any of these people that are like ah they're like xenos commies and they're like thingy and also by the way for the uneducated out there that are like aren't they just like commies no there's they are a hierarchical caste-based system that has more in common with like elements of like india or like possibly japan and, and stuff like that, which, which to me is not communist. I know the greater good has this like ideological thing, which sounds a little bit lefty, but like they're certainly not like one all for one and one for all because the ethereals are like a, an elite class that rule over the town with an iron fist. Yeah, yeah. So they're not communist. I'm sorry. Like anyone that are like, yeah, they're commies, they're not. Like, read a book. Um, but no, <laughs> no seriously, book. just read a fucking book. Like, come on. Like, well, no, like for me as a, as a Star Trek nerd, there yeah, are. Yeah. There are, like, caste-based um, Xenos, you know, caste-based alien races. Or yeah. There's, like, a whole arc on Deep Space Nine where um, Bajor tries to go back to their caste-based system. Yes. And, and so, based on their surname, you have to go into a certain caste. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's like... it. Reverts. See, I'm on the Deep Space Nine train now, so this will be fun. This is, yeah, this yeah, is going to be cool. Yeah, later on. It's a little yeah, man, I'm up for this. Um... um yeah, it's it, and it's interesting because you you see that in human history and you see it in in all sorts of things. But um, but yeah, I really like him. They're my, like a, like I previously alluded, I'm not the biggest Xenos fan in 40k. I love power armor, so Space Marines, Sisters, Chaos, Space Marines potentially. But I've always had a soft spot for the Tau because when I saw them when they first came out in third, my like 11 year old boy anime side was like, yeah, like cool aliens. And I don't think I've ever really got them out of my system. So I think in terms of one day me playing them, I'm, I'm probably going to have a lot of nostalgia. And I, and I used to play them a lot when I was a kid. Like, and I and I was not a bad town player when I was younger. But um, but there we go. So uh, yeah, next we're going to take a look at some data sheets and see some pretty scary shit that the town has to offer this is why i don't want you to get tau (laughs) (laughs) okay cool so now we're going to be looking at some some rules for the town very quickly again i'm just going to highlight some some of my favorites here because we could spend like hours and hours going through the codex and we're not going to do that um but essentially the town have what's called these philosophies of war one of these is called 
Mong Ka and the other one called Carl Young. And essentially, you That's could... quite um, Klingon Indeed. sounding. Oh, by the way, Mel just just also might have mentioned that I'm saying cast Northern style. Yeah, cast. God damn it! Oh, wow. Who's cast? Cast. I will be in the fire cast anyway. <laughs> So basically, what happened with the tactical philosophies is you choose one, and your entire army gets that benefit, right? Okay. So the first one's called Monka, and it only affects battle rounds one to three. Okay. Okay. Um, and every m- unit in your army, whenever they make a move or advance in your movement phase, until the end of your shooting phase, it counts as having remained stationary. That's amazing. That means that you can, like not get any negatives for certain weapons from moving and shooting and stuff like that and I think you can advance and shoot which is just mad um, and then it also I mean, says I can do that in my Harlequin so yeah I mean but these are fish fiends <laughs> and they have better guns than you do unfortunately true um, and then each time this model in this unit makes a ranged attack that targets the closest eligible enemy unit within range uh, improve the armor penetration characteristics attack by one and re-roll a wound roll of one. That's amazing. That's that, really that's good. That's quite scary. It is very scary, but bear in mind it only lasts from one to three and it degrades. So in turn one, the range of that armor, armor pierce and re-roll is 18. Then turn two, it's 12. Then turn nine, it's three. So, But in theory, if you're advancing... At turn three, it's nine, sorry. Like, so 18 inches, you're going to be... Oh, yeah, you're going to be right out there. So, it doesn't really reduce because you're going to be advancing. But essentially, the philosophy is well that Monkar is like the more aggressive Tao style. Okay. So it's like, get in there, shoot them, and, and do the most damage possible. Cao Young, you're kind of like sat there and you're chilling, right? So Cao Young, the battle rounds are three to five. Interesting. So the opposite way round. Um, so basically this unit is eligible so every unit in the army but this unit is eligible to suit in a turn in which it fell back but if it does then until the end of the turn each time a model in that you makes a range attack subtract one from that attack's hit roll so, so you one's can, more offensive and one's, one's more, more defensive. defensive Yeah. I mean that second one if I was playing Tau and I was playing against your death guard. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be really good because get, you're slow moving and you have to come to me. Get this though, the real juicy part is the second bit. So each time a model in this unit makes a ranged attack that targets the closest eligible enemy unit within 12 inches, if that model is not within engagement range of any enemy units and did not fall back, so it has to have not fallen back with the first ability, on an unmodified roll of the value shown on the table below, the attack scores an additional hit. And on round three, if you hit on a six, it explodes. On round four, on a five-up, it explodes. On six, on a four-up, it explodes. That means half your hits are exploding into two hits. Pew, 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 pew. But you've got to obviously survive until turn five in order to make that a reality. That's bananas. Isn't it? Isn't it? Very cool. I personally before Mon- Monkar, the first but one. But that's very you. Yeah, I'm a bit more aggressive and stuff like that. Another kind of element of, of what they do is called marker light. So weirdly, because Tau are like a bit slower in terms of their like um, responses than humans, they're not as great at like aiming and shooting. Their technology is amazing, but their accuracy isn't as good as us. So they use a technology called marker lights. Are you laughing? Why are you no, laughing? No, no. It, it, it makes... Sense to me 
on an animal physiology point of view. Oh, the cows. Because they're a bit cowy. Whoa. And, like, basically... Spacey. Well, no, so predatory animals have their eyes on the front. Yeah, yeah. And the eye... And they overlap, so then we get, like, to focus. So, like, birds of prey and 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 um, cats and that sort of thing focus. Whereas animals that are, are more prey... Have... Their eyes are more on the side, so they have more peripheral vision, but they don't have the crossover in the front, so they don't have good depth perception. That is really interesting. Which is why, like, a hamster will just walk off your hand, right? Because yeah, it's got, yeah. like, no depth perception at all. So just, like, this is where the tower the... at? Like, so I just... think tower originally, like, evolved from a, a prey species, and they've just got no depth perception. <laughs> and that's why they need the marker light. Like, just to help them out and all the tech, them. to, yeah, like, help them shoot. they've got no depth perception. That's... Funny. That's funny. <laughs> that makes sense to me. But essentially, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read out Markelites because it's a ridiculously complicated paragraph for a very simple mechanic, which is basically like stuff can shoot Markelites, and basically it makes other things like hit easier. So whilst normal Tau hit on like a four up, which isn't great for a shooting army, when you Markelite something up, it makes that one better. Okay. So and and you remove tokens when you target so it, it and it makes it makes sure so you're hitting on threes or hitting okay. on twos or something. So essentially, like in order to get around their boviney like eyes, they they have they have marker lights and light up their target <laughs> before they shoot. You find that so funny, don't you? Just makes sense to me. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read out like three or four of my favourite data sheets in the army. The first of which is of course Commander Farsight. Uh, so he moves 10 inches, like all battle suits move, which is really quite fast. That's quite... Yeah, that's yeah. quite a distance. Well, all, all battle suits do, because, like, Tau, like, they tend to, like, enjoy these, like, sort of anime-style battle suits, which kind of fly around and nip around and stuff, and they're just awesome. Like, they're, they're one of the cool elements of the Tau kind of thing. And Farsight is all about the battle suit action. Uh, weapon skill 2 up, which is really cool, considering he has, like, a demon blade. Ballista skill 2 up. Strength 5, Toughness 5, 7 wounds, 5 attacks, which is fucking mad. 10 leadership for a Tau, especially, and a 3-up armor save. Um, this Tau leadership, I would generally guess it was high all the time. High right? for characters and stuff, but I think kind of medium for, like, troops and but stuff. But you would think if they were being mind-controlled, they wouldn't be able to run away. Yeah, but you, your mind-control of your characters are really good, and I think they can buff their leadership with other abilities and okay. stuff like that. But Because, like, yeah, I'm just thinking, like, obviously... Well, know, yeah, leadership 10 is banging. That's really like, good. Le- like leadership should be like super high because they're in like obviously fast sight's different, but they're, if they're that's mind a difference controls... though between the lore and like how to balance that mechanic. Yeah, though. true. And but you, but I think the characters because of what they are have ridiculously high leadership. Um, so he he has this high intensity plasma rifle, which is thirty six inches range, assault two, strength eight. AP minus four and damage three. That's pretty tasty. Oof. And then the Dawn Blade, which is his choppy, choppy thing, where he can make either uh, five strength ten attacks at minus three AP, damage three, holy shit, or ten plus one strength, so strength six, minus two AP, but only one damage. So you but have But, like, depending options. on what you're playing... Brilliant. Like, if you... Uh, against my Harlequins... They're so squishy. Yeah. If you got close enough, you'd just do the ten attacks, right? You wouldn't do the five attacks. Yes. At super high because no, I've no. got because I've got an invun. But you're ju- you're going to go for the numbers. You're going to go for the yeah, yeah. the ten attacks. But damage three that kills terminators. 
Yeah. Unless it's Death Guard, but like most Deathwing and stuff that kills is pretty awesome. Um, it has an ability called Tactical Acumen. In your command phase, you can select one friendly Crisis Core unit within nine inches of, of, of him. Until the end of the turn, that unit is eligible to shoot and declare a charge in which the turn that you fell back amazing like really good and each time a core model in that unit makes a ranged attack you can ignore any or, or hit modifiers so cover okay any like your 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 minus one to hit from your like oh for my mirage any, launchers any modifiers <gasps> no yeah farsight knows what's down not a fan of that yeah exactly and he has the way of the short blade at the start of the fight phase you can select one friendly farsight enclaves core unit within six inches of the model um until the end of the phase each time a core model in that unit makes an attack add one to that attack's hit roll really good um he has an aura where for six inches uh, all core models can re-roll failed hit rolls of one and he has a four-up and vulnerable save. And he's awesome because he's Commander Farsight. He's brilliant. Now, would you like to know the most controversial unit in the Codex? Is this this big gun? <laughs> the big gun. The big gun that everyone's been <laughs> laying eggs about. On, Dude, on... I, I have never seen... Genuinely, man. Like, I have never seen a community lose their shit over a weapon like this. But isn't it just one shot? I will. I will read it out to you and see what you think. Okay. It is fucking scary, but let's just let's just put shit into just consideration here. So it's a ha- hammerhead gunship for a start. Does it um, look like a hammerhead? No. Well, kind of. They kind of have like cool frontal nubs, but you know what I'm saying. It's got four <laughs> frontal nubs. nubs. It's got fourteen wounds, which is actually a fair amount of wounds. Only toughness seven though, and only a three up save, with no invulnerable save to look after it. Um, and it degrades, so like when it has f- seven to four wounds remaining, it, it it only hits on five up, and then when it only has one to three, it only hits on a six up, and it no- normally only hits on a four up. Now bear in mind, you're probably going to mark it like that, or you might put some re-rolls on it, all kinds of stuff. But essentially, the, the weapon that is the thing that like people are freaking out about is one of the loadout options is what we call the Ion Cannon, which is the thing that fires a particle, like an atom, so fast that it rips apart whatever it hits and everything around it by the it time it gets to the end. It basically atom. creates a... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Any idea? Oh, the, it, it's like, if it's an Ion Cannon, it breaks... It, breaks the world it's yeah absolutely yeah dude you're absolutely right the first time like i'm I'm looking for a word from science dude it it freaked the imperial guard out massively when they encountered it because they were part of this like tank envoy and the catachans were like okay and they heard like this rustle of wind and then all of a sudden the side of the sleeman russ had a tiny singularity singularity there we go nice i knew if i distracted distracted the (laughs) listeners for long enough like you'd get there (laughs) But essentially, there was like this eerie rustle of wind, and then all the screaming from this Lehman Russ. And they saw that in one side of the Lehman Russ, there was this teeny tiny hole. And out the other side of it, half the Lehman Russ was eradicated, and everyone inside were dead. Oh, wow. So, this is this gun, right? 60 inch range, as you do. I mean, that's the whole board. Yeah, oh, yes, indeed. Oh, no, sorry, 72 inch range. I was reading the wrong gun. So that's the, the entire board and your mate's board. <laughs> or if you're doing like an extra large board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a heavy one, so you only get one shot. Well, this is it. It's one shot, right? One shot. You can spoon that roll. Yeah, shot. you could spoon that roll. But, but, 
It's 14... But. <laughs> it's 14 strength. Okay, that's insane. Minus 6 AP. Uh, damage is 6 plus D3. And each time an attack is made with this weapon, invulnerable saves cannot be made against this attack. Each time a successful wound roll is made for this attack... I was about to attack, say, like, invulnerable saves, like... Mm, nah, ignored. But no, okay. And with the 6 AP, nothing is kind of doing that. Yeah, and, and whenever a wound mo- m- roll is successful with this weapon, the target suffers three mortal wounds in addition to any I other mean, damage. it really depends what you're shooting, right? Because if you're shooting, like, a big tank... Or a Primark. Bang. <laughs> Bang. <that's laughs> Even Morty would be like, ow. That's really useful. Like, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it's potentially up to nine damage. Twelve. Twelve damage. Okay, fine. So potentially up to twelve damage. But if you're shooting it at, like, the remnants of a unit, you could just be wasting a really big shot to... T- to do something that's only like yeah, six. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is the point, right? Like, it's incredibly narrow in its use in as much as, like, it either goes for heavy infantry, like, really, in all fairness, it can take down a Terminator and another Terminator, which is quite nice. But, like, its real role is vehicles and hard infantry, right? That's it, really. Like, that's all it really does. Um, so if you've got an army with lots of little bits... It feels like it would be wasted. Orcs would be laughing, laughing if they're not taking vehicles, of course. But even then, they're probably like, yeah, whatever. It just like, feels like it would be wasted. It's only yeah. going to be useful. Probably against, like, custodies. Yeah. And they're, and they're a heavy support slot as well. So, like, in a battalion detachment, you can only have three. And there's other really cool options for heavy support in town. Yeah. Like, like you know, there's Riptides, which are, like, the big, like, battlesuits, or Broadsides, which are really cool. So, it's fighting for space with other great units. And although it's awesome, and I would probably take one in every town list I would have, because I'd be like, I kind of want to nuke a tank with this thing. I'm probably not going to take any more than that, really. Might take two. But you said uh, it's push. only hitting on a four up. So even if you add marker lights and stuff three up, yeah. you could still spoon your roll and it's one shot. The only thing it does have is a targeting array, which each time it fires, you can re-roll one hit roll when it when it resolves an attack. So you do get to re-roll it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can still spoon it, but it just feels like... I know people are losing their shit about it. But A, like you said, they're a shooty army. Yeah. They don't really have anything also, else going for them. There has to be an upper bracket, right? Like, if if we live in a world where, like, a laser cannon is D6 damage or, like, you know, like, a multi-mounter is, like, D6 plus 2 damage, you need that, like, upper... Ban- like, from the law, this thing can tear a hole through anything. So well, it needs to be the best. and you said they're the most technologically advanced. Yes. And that the, the Imperium wants their tech. Yes. So clearly we have to have something that's stronger than the Imperial Exactly, tech. exactly. Like, right? Yeah, dude, absolutely. I just think, do you think, do you think it's going to get nerfed or not? The only thing that I could see it being nerfed on is either one of two things, although I think one is more likely than the other. One thing is the bit about invulnerable saves. But then that kind of makes the gun useless because... Yeah, because if it was against my Harlequins, I'd yeah, just be like... Yeah, exactly. So what I think, if it's ever going to get nerfed... I think it's going to be the mortal wounds output as well. Okay. Either removed completely or brought down a bit. So, like, one mortal wound or two mortal wounds. Rather than three, because killing two Terminators with every shot of that is kind of savage. 
It'll be interesting to see if we start seeing Tau win tournaments. I'm pretty sure we will, because Tau were kind of... You would every now and again get a Tau player that would, like, top eight a massive event. Because they just love Tau, and they play Tau to death, and, they and you know, if you're not ready for Tau, you'll get fucked. In the same way as, like, Death Guard or another army or whatever. So now they've been souped up a bit. They are pretty awesome, and, like, you know, there is some cool sort of stuff going on there. So I imagine that there's going to be a period where Tau will be the new hotness until the Eldari come out, and they're hard-hitting and fast, and they just pin pin Tau against but the wall. But it was interesting, because when, we, when you ordered your... Codex, because you got the special edition. Yes. Because you always like to get the fancy ones. With, with the armies that I love. Yeah, you always like to get the, the snazzy ones. And normally they sell out really quick, right? And we're yeah, there yeah. at 10 o'clock, like desperately trying to get you the one that you want. Whereas this, it didn't sell out till the afternoon. So we were like, Tau aren't quite as desired as, as other... Um, no, like factions. Factions. Yeah, like I, I imagine the Eldari one will sell out like in, yeah, a, in I'm gonna minutes. Yeah, I'm going to have to get up. Um, and then and then the final sort of unit that I want to talk about is the Humble Town Strike Team, which is your basic Fire Warrior guy. Now, the weird thing about these guys, they always come in units of ten. Oh, uh, not five. Yeah, so you, you, you have... You have a unit of 10, and that's it. You can't have unit 5, you can't have unit 15. They always exist in a unit of 10. Which so it's is 10 or 20? No, it's 10. You can't, you can't have more? Well, yeah, as in you can have multiple units. You can have multiple strikes. Because they're troops. Okay. But as in, like, the unit itself can only have 10 dudes. Okay, if that makes sense. Um, and they move 6 inches, which is relatively fast. They hit weapon skill on a 5-up. <laughs> okay. So they fumble. They shoot on a 4-up. Um, they have toughness three, strength three. They have one wound. They have one attack. They have leadership seven, and leadership eight, um, and a four up armor save, which is actually quite good. So they got decent armor. Um, but what I like about them is their their shooty shoots. So their signature weapon is the pulse rifle, which back in the day was like one of my favorite guns, which is thirty six inches, which for a basic gun is really good. Has rapid fire, so you can potentially get two shots within half range. Uh, strength 5, minus 1 AP and 1 damage for a basic gun. That is awesome. And they're really cheap. So they're like 10 points each or something. So you get a unit of 10 for like 100 points. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very cheap. Oh, yeah. They're wicked because they only have one wound. Oh. Huh. So they... Like my little quins. <laughs> Not as hard as your quins by any means. Very shooty. Like very, very shooty. Um, and there was one relic that I wanted to talk about because it's currently like like doing a massive storm in the world because combat tower is kind of like a meme within within the sort of like culture where you know like you you know you wouldn't charge like combat tower is kind of like funny like it's like a last resort but ironically with farsight enclaves there is combat tower so like um, farsight obviously as previously discussed is a combat tower character, but there's a relic that you can give to, like, your commander, uh, which is, where is it, where is it in here? Oh, that's prototype system, sorry, I am gonna find this. I'm literally going through the book, like, now, as I'm, as I'm kind of, like, talking, really, so. Poor preparation, right? Oh, no, I actually marked the, the, marked the page out and everything, but it was the wrong page, annoyingly, so I'm just gonna try and find relics here. But essentially, 
It's like it's like a, like I punch you. Yeah, here we go. It's like I punch you in the face. Yeah, it's called the Onager Gauntlet. Um, Onager Gauntlets were developed during the Damocles Crusade to counter massed heavy armor spearheads of the Imperium. Uh, with such a weapon, a warrior could punch straight through the thick armor of a tank. Uh, though the technology <laughs> proved successful, the casualty rate amongst bearers was extremely high. Um, this is like the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, basically, and the original twelve prototypes, only one remains. Um, and you put it on a battlesuit model, aka your commander, uh, and it's strength 12, minus 4 AP and damage 3, which if you have 4 close combat attacks with it, you're like, <laughs> like, like, smash their face. So it's awesome. So, like, what's happened is, like, players are, like, charging these Tau commanders and just getting smashed in their face, and they're like, what? But they are, like... It's only one relic. It's not like your entire army can take this thing. And it's and it's very rare. But I just love the sting in the tail of like a Tau commander being like, All right then, fuck you and just like smashing you in the face. That's quite cool. That is a, that sounds like a cool relic. I will always take that relic. <laughs> <laughs> and just have that commander and Farsight just like hanging out as bros, just like smashing people's face in. It would be just hilarious. Um so just to kind of round things up as like the the sort of like final subject of of tonight's podcast, the recent game that we had. Yes. How do you feel about the recent game that we had? It was fun. It was one of the funnest games I think we've had I for mean, a long I time. I mean, I lost, but it was it was really fun. Yes, but you get to take the moral high ground because you saw me scream like a banshee and there's a video of it on our Instagram. Oh yeah, we never really promote our Instagram. So um, I'm Count Rescular Minis on Instagram. You're Mel's Minis. Yeah. And obviously we have the joint account of Grim Dark Bastards. But like in, in one of the videos, you can hear me like utterly scream like this, like kind of like frustration. Oh, and you... would you like to explain what happened in that instance? Well, there was two. There was a couple of things where you got really, really yeah, annoyed yeah, yeah. with me. Um, so the the best one was um, I'd, you, you had a tank? Yes. What tank is it? It's called the Gladiator Reaper. Okay, and it's your you painted it all um, death wingy, death wingy, and it's very proud of said tank. I love this tank, and um, I'd got it down to one wound. Yeah, so I like I managed to get it round to my turn two with one wound left, ready to. I was going to spend some command points, so no, you could, didn't really get to shoot it very much. I shot it the first turn, but I was what I was going to do. Move it. Yeah, what I was going to do was uh, well, if you move as dark angels, you don't get their plus one to hit, so mm. it was hitting on twos, uh, which is really good for that tank. Um, but what I was going to do was spend some command points so it could act as if it was on its top bracket or bracket above where it was at. I can't remember. But essentially so that I didn't get my negs to shooting. But you had other ideas, didn't you, my darling? Yeah, so when, when I play Harlequins, um, I, the Harlequins have different mask forms. And most people play um, Soaring Spite, I think, yeah. to be fast. But I like to play Dreaming Shadow, which I think we've mentioned before... Um, when when something dies or when something fails the leadership, I can roll a dice and on a four up, I can shoot like it's the your shoot. things of course, yeah, not like anything. My things. I can roll up. I can roll uh, shoot as if it's the shooting phase, or um, attack as if it's the attack phase. Yes. And you'd just killed one of my one of my star weavers, I think. Oh, uh, was it a voidy? Was it a voidy? Yes, you just killed my voidy. Um, and so we did the roll, and I passed the roll. 
so it was able to shoot like it's the shooting and at this phase. point i hadn't shot with my tank yet so i missequenced um, i missequenced yeah you my literally thing. it was like the first thing you did on your shooting phase you shot my voidy because in my head i was like right i'm gonna clear that voidy off and then i'm gonna see what yeah, i need to clean up with the tank left yeah, 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 yeah and you were just like clearing it off the board and um so i i rolled and it was allowed to shoot well it's a haywire um which is a d6 shot so i rolled and i got five so then I was taking five shots. And you did something ridiculous, like four or five mortal wounds to my tank, and it was only on one, so it just died. And you and were I just was, so oh. frustrated at your, at your well, moderation of your... Yeah, well, it was my fault. Like, it was completely my fault. I mean, obviously, you chose that thing, but I knew what you take. Like, I should have known that I should, you know, I should have sequenced that ahead so that I could at least got to shoot with it before it potentially would have been killed, right? So I wasn't pissed off the fact that I, it died. I was pissed off with my sequencing error so that I didn't actually get to shoot with it. Yeah, before it you, were, you were so annoyed at yourself. Um, and then there's also another video of you losing your mind because oh, yeah. you, were, you were going for one of my just plain Harlequin units, wasn't it? Yeah, I shot him like fucking nine times. You shot them. So um, it was a unit of five and and they they all just have one wound. So, you know... You kill them all quite easily. Eldar are squishy. Um, and I think you you rolled however many, and you had, I think it was eight or nine... Mm, Stormbolt shots for my turn. ...wounds for me to roll. And I get four up in vulnerable saves, and it was a whole hand of four, five, and sixes. It was the most sixes. gross roll I've ever seen. And you were just like, I've it's got just you fair. just going, it's not fair. It's you were like fair. eight it's not fair. fours. It, it, it was eight, it was... It was Statistically, eight or nine. that's mad. Like that's it was, proper it was mad. A whole hand of four, fives, and sixes. I actually videoed it and videoed Russet just losing his mind. Um, and I think that that game was so much fun because it was really swingy. It was very swingy. I was either rolling amazingly hot or absolutely crap. Like there was yeah. no, I wasn't hitting averages at all. It was either I absolutely spooned my roll and was like, well, that was pointless. Or I was just all sixes, you know. All of the time. It was crazy. Um, But also, you'd taken a specific tournament list. Yeah, so this is my tester for potentially the GT. Like, I might make some adjustments, but... um, Yeah, and and it was quite a competitive list from my perspective. Whereas I don't really have... I only have about... Well, you have, I have 2,000 points of, of... of Harlequins. I've got a few more things to make. In the pile of shame. Yeah, I've got a few more things to make in the pile of shame. Another troop, another star weaver, and a couple more sky weavers, so that I can either take 2,000 points with the triumvirate or without. Yes. Um, so I hadn't really switched up my, my army. It was just an army I'd used before, and I'd beaten you with before. Um... But yeah, I think I think the secondaries I picked, I'm not entirely sure, were the greatest. And I think I also suffered with the fact it's now gone down to four. Yeah. For the primaries. Yeah. Because for me, as a quite a nippy army... You want to army, score them early, right? Yeah, because quite a nippy army, I can normally do pretty good on the primaries. But I feel like that's really... I've really got to think about my secondaries and plan better now. Well, ironically, I think Dark Angels have some awesome secondaries that really help them, especially the rock-style lists, which are like, I'm going to just sit on shit, right? Like, you know, like Raise the Banners, the the um, the Stubborn Defiance and stuff, like holding shit yeah, that was and not annoying. letting that go, right? So, 
And and for me, it was a really fun thing because I have like a bit of a shield and sword style list because the vast majority of my list is termi blocks, like so big, big, hard units of infantry that just won't move. But then I have my own subtle spicy twist on it, which is a little bit more aggressive as well. So I can I kind of then target threats that I think could kill those terminators. So I use the tank, which is kind of like a massive distraction, but also can remove a lot of enemy infantry that are in my way. Or I have two units of three eradicators, which are great at dealing with anti-tank. And then, of course, my signature unit, which is the Black Knights, which is just yeah, there they, just to harangue and annoy, right? And well, because to- I, I... So I had, was fighting them, and I had surrounded them, hadn't I? Yeah. yeah. And... There's a few gaps, but yeah. And I surrounded them... I was hoping to take them out because I've learnt from playing you before. Yeah. I either have to wipe them. Yeah, yeah. I have to wipe them and be confident I'm going to wipe them or you punch me back and there's no chance. And I just didn't roll very well and you had three bikes left. Yeah. And I was going to use a stratagem for the Harlequins called War Dancers. Yes. Which basically means at the end of the fighting phase I get to... Attack one, again. Attack again with one of my units. This was a harsh and play on my you part. you <laughs> used a stratagem where you basically got to fall back and, and ride away. Yeah, so the, the way that the sequencing worked there was really harsh because War Dancers for Mel Stratagem, and this this pays for, like, keywords. So, like, and the end of the turn was what happens. So War Dancers allow her to attack again, but it, happens, it has to be at the end of the fight phase, right? <laughs> but Swift Strike was a Ravenwing stratagem which basically says that when the Black Knights attack they can immediately make a fallback afterwards. Yeah. Which obviously interrupts your, My plan. your war dances because yeah, so I, I, I fuck it. off and then you can't hit me with yeah, war dances. Yeah, so I didn't get to use it and I was gutted because you know... I, is, I was so sniggery because I was like, hee 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 hee. I think the thing is, like, you've played me so many times yeah, you yeah. know what stratagems I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that if, if there's a unit that I really need to take out and I haven't quite rolled how well yes. I want to roll... I'm going. It's three CP. It's an expensive stratagem, but it, but it does the job. Worth it if you does need the to job. delete that unit. So then you you just drove away and went and killed my death jester that was sat happily on an objective and contested that objective, which meant that you had to deal with that. Yeah. Which, if you would have wiped out the unit, all of those units that had been killing those black knights would then have to then deal with the Terminators and stuff, so you would have way more units yeah, to do yeah. stuff. So I think, weirdly, that was kind of quite a swingy part of that game, which was kind of strange. Yeah. I mean, I did eventually wipe them with my Yukane and pretty much won. But by that point, they did their job, which yeah, was they... to basically be like, hey, look at us, we're like driving around, whilst actually my Terminators are kind of like taking the mid-ground or like staunchly, defiantly like holding their position, really. So, um, but in, yeah. In the end, I conceded because I just couldn't catch up. Although you we were, did some calculations. Yeah, so. you were about 17 victory points ahead of me. And we did some maths on turn four. And we were like, okay, depending on how this goes. Yeah, and I just had a perfect turn. Like, there's still a chance, but you had a perfect... And you always go first. <laughs> you, yeah. I have never... <laughs> Ever in all the games we've played, ever gone first. Ever gone first. I've never. It's so harsh. It's I don't so know. Harsh. I don't know how it happens. I have still never gone first with any of my armies. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? It is kind of weird. It's annoying. And to some degree, you kind of want that first turn against me. So. I, well, particularly with the Harlequins. Yeah, yeah. Because I can get out and get and claim objectives early. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. It was fun, though. It was a fun game. Cry your eyes, Mel. <laughs> Dry your eyes. You will get 
One turn day, one one day. One day I will get turn one. One day <laughs> and the then dice will favour me. But the thing is, we even did like, because we kind of rolled on camera and you were like, I hate rolling on camera. And then we rolled like afterwards and you were just getting one 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 so it was yeah, like you were like do you want another go just to see what would happen yeah and i just i even picked up new dice out of my bag still was still sekarath is like haha <laughs> like, like well, fuck you i'm destined to two seconds <laughs> um but yeah, I mean that kind of rounds up this episode. That was quite a meaty episode, but it feels feels like you know just five minutes because chatting with you, darling, is always a joy. Oh, bless you! Uh, I'm such a sucker, finally. Sucker. Yeah, <laughs> hey man, you're my partner that plays Warhammer. There's nothing better, quite frankly. So there you go. Um, but we've got some really cool things on the horizon. I imagine you're going to do with the Eldari Codex, like I did with the Tau Codex. Hopefully. So we out. might have a deep dive on that, which will be which will be really fun, um, and then of course all your new chunky rules, which will be interesting. Although you know there might be some savagery there in terms of losing some stuff, but also gaining some stuff. Um, and you know, depending on if people enjoy the Lord deep dives, we might do that with other factions and stuff like that well, as well. Which might be quite lots fun. Of the- books in the ridiculous black library collection that we have accrued <laughs> we could do some book reviews or yeah book that might be a really good one our favorite black library books that might be really Alfarious. fun yeah i mean you're a big fan of our forest i quite like xenos the eisenhorn book i mean yeah the eisenhorn books are amazing absolutely amazing and i'm really enjoying ravenna yeah um but our forest was my first black library book that i read and I loved it, and it's amazing. I also love Warhawk, but we can go about this subject for hours. Yes, okay. So, but thank you all so much. Like, uh, we had a, you know, obviously a shout out to Winehammer and Ed and stuff, but honestly, thank you everyone that's listening to our fun and silly podcast. And we hope that you have some sort of fun listening to this whilst you're painting or in your commute to work or, you know, you sat at your desk or whatever you, whatever you do. We hope you have an awesome week of hobbying ahead of you. And uh, we'll see all you lovely people on the next episode of Grimdark Bastards slash Bastards. <laughs> Ciao, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.